showtime. Everyone, welcome to the Rosie and Bill Show. I'm Rosie DeSanctis here with Bill Miller. Thank you for tuning in. Tonight, our guest is back by popular demand. There was such an outpouring of questions for her after her last appearance on our show that we decided we had to bring her back for an encore performance. Yes, we did. Folks, please welcome back to the Rosie and Bill Show, Gina Coach Lombardi. Welcome back, Coach. Hey, thanks you guys. I'm, I'm so happy to be here and so happy that people cared enough to send me questions. That's that's what this is all about, right? Boy, do we need you. I'll tell you. <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> I'm not sure what those questions were. We want to know if there was a common theme, but I can tell you that uh, people that I've talked to have been lamenting the COVID-19 pounds that you have talked about before. The biggest question that I got from people after our first episode was, how do I get rid of the weight that I've gained during the pandemic? Because now, now we're out almost three months, right? Yeah. And some people kind of didn't take advantage of their time at home and they didn't create a structure like we talked about on the last episode. Shame on them. Shame, but I forgive you. Um, and the biggest question, this, this one came up pretty much almost in every question in some manner was where do I start? Okay. Mm -hmm. Because people are like, all right, I'm home a lot. I have kids or I don't have kids or I'm working from home. Um, I feel scattered. I feel like my schedule isn't mine anymore. I don't know how to do this. The gym is closed. I don't have any equipment, like all these things and everybody's kind of freaked out. Um, I have to tell you, and I do this with my own clients that have to lose weight. Now, there's a people in other categories. There's athletes. There's, you know, high school, college, professional athletes. I'm not talking about this group, okay? Those people do need to train regularly. They do have very specific workouts. They have very specific diet. Um, they have a whole regimen that's periodized over a year. But if we're just talking about my neighbor, Jeff, then, you know, who's a guy in his 40s and he gained weight over the pandemic, that's the group I'm talking about, you know, or Nancy on the other side of me. Um, these are the people I'm talking about. I'm talking about you. So um, what I do is I always begin, not you, Rosie. <laughs> I, I wasn't looking at you. I was looking at you as the collective. <laughs> she, she, did you see her face? She's like, me? <laughs> no. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> You're good. Um, I always start with diet. So it may surprise people that I say that, but when I meet with a client for the first time, you know, when I begin with them and their main goal is weight loss, I don't do any exercise the first week. I do an induction into cleaning up their diet. And the reason why is because it, and I said this last time, you cannot out train a bad diet, right? The other thing I said was consistency equals results. So 
if you start an exercise program and you've done nothing to your diet, what's going to happen? Not a whole lot. You might get some, you'll get some result. You know, you might not get any weight loss. You might get a little bit of weight loss, but it might not stick. Your weight could go up if you're eating the same and you start working out because especially if you're weight training, uh, because weight training does cause little tears in the muscles. And then when that's repairing itself, it draws fluid into the cells and that can actually make your weight go a little bit up on the scale. I'm not talking about pounds, but it could be a pound or two, something like that. That's normal. But if you don't change your diet, you're pretty much going to be stuck for a while. And, you know, especially if someone's overweight, you don't want to start them on a really stressful exercise program like they do on The Biggest Loser. And they're doing things that are just too difficult for them and wind up failing. So what I do is I start with the diet. I look at it. I see what they're eating. I have them do. And you can even do this yourself. Just do three a three-day diet diary. And write down every single thing, solid or liquid, that goes into your mouth. Everything. Even it's a, if it's a bite of your kid's mac and cheese or you finished, you know, something that your husband didn't finish or something like that. Uh, if you had a piece of hard candy, if you chew gum, all of those things, write them down. I look at all of that and I say, okay, okay here's what we have to clean up. And that's pretty much where I start. Gee, I'm going to interrupt you for a second because I'm going to tell you, yes. I think for, and I know there's other people like me. I used to eat very, very healthy. Okay. And, and it, I'm not going to blame it on the pandemic because it started before that. But I feel like my diet that used to be wonderful has now taken a turn down a, and then gone down a rabbit hole into junk food or processed oh. food. Even, even though it starts out healthy, there's, there's this addiction. How do you break that? And, and that's an excellent question. And I actually got that as a question from last time. So I'm glad you brought that up. A lot of people do that. People start out good. Like my, one of my sister-in-laws told me she did the keto diet and it was going great. And they lost a lot of weight together, you know, her and my brother. And then what happened when they stopped? It all went back. Why did it stop? It's too difficult to maintain. There's no sustainability. So you have to find that balance. Now for some people, look, and this could be a whole other episode and you know, I, but I have to bring it up. There's a whole lot of autoimmune issues happening with people these days. And I'm seeing it more and more with men and women. Okay. Where they're having all of a sudden they're having problems in their forties, fifties, they're noticing that if they eat certain processed foods, junk food, um, their, their fingers are swelling, their feet are swelling, they feel awful, they're gaining weight, they, they get blood work done and their inflammation markers are through the roof. This is real, like this is, this is no nonsense. You go to a rheumatologist, they're gonna tell you, come back when you have lupus, I'll give you a drug, or I'll give you the drug now and this will take the swelling down. It's not addressing the problem, right? okay? I have seen more people, and, and this isn't completely anecdotal either. This is like documented cases of people that changed their diet for seven days and the inflammation completely went away. 
So what does that tell you? It tells you that the sugar, the oils that are either fractionated or if they're cooked and they change structure, these things are so bad for you. Corn, wheat, soy, gluten, all these things are, what cause, are what's causing the inflammation in your body. It can show up on your blood work. It may not, but now there's a whole bunch of other markers that people can get tested that will tell you if it is your diet. And if you just change those things and take those things out of your diet, you're gonna see tremendous results. And by the way, you'll get weight loss too. You make it sound so easy, but when there's an addiction involved. Yes, when there's an, yeah. What you'll find though, is if you take it in steps. Now I've had people, I had a client who had a super deep sugar addiction. I mean, to the point where she was hiding candy all over the place like under the seat of her car in the console. I had to confiscate some of it one time when she came over here and she was in the bathroom. I took her keys right out to her car, opened up the compartment between the two front seats, took out all the candy bars, ran back in the house, put them on the table. She came out of the bathroom and I was sitting there like this. And she's like, <laughs> total awe, total disbelief. <laughs> but the truth is it is an addiction. It's like a drug. And the best way to, to um, crack that is you've got to start by cutting back. And in the meantime, you replace it with something that you feel happy with. And then very slowly, you edge those foods out. And you, you keep replacing them with good things. Um, I had somebody that loved ginger ale, for example. Tons of sugar. You know, I don't really mind too much that it's carbonated, but tons of sugar. She didn't want to go to diet ginger ale because the non-nutritive sweetener is really bad for you. <laughs> Not to mention that the sugar's bad for you too. But um, so I found one that had stevia in it, which is a little less harmful to the body and a lot less harmful actually, because it's from a plant source. You know, it's not aspartame. It's not uh, what was in sweet and low saccharin. Um, it's not Splenda sucralose. So there's a brand of ginger ale that has stevia in it. Great. Let's start with that. Then I'll move her to a sparkling water. And then eventually she probably won't even need that anymore. That, so it's taken it little steps at a time. I have to tell you, as you're, as you're explaining that, uh, I, I remember there was a time seven, eight years ago when I kind of combined going cold turkey along with progressing. Uh, I used to put so much sugar in my coffee, I could barely stir it, which apparently is a problem. So one day I decided to drink it black. And I never really knew what coffee tasted like. But you just brought up a great example. I remember going from Coke or Pepsi to some iced teas and then working my way down to where instead of 40 or 50 grams per serving, I got down to where it's less than 20 per serving in, in whatever drink that I'm having. That was a little easier than that day that I went from however many tablespoons of sugar to none. But it's, it's so true. You've, yeah, you've got to just sort of, we, and also I think reading the labels, and that's something that, that I know helped me is, is really reading the labels because you just mentioned all those different fake sugars and I did my research on them, but they're there. They're going to be listed. If some of those things are in there, reading those labels, I think can help a lot too. Yeah. 
It's, um, you know, there's so many foods out there, so many different brands, so many things that are disguised as healthy mm -hmm. and they're not, protein bars are one of them. It's really hard to find a good protein bar because I'll be like, oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> here's a birthday cake flavored protein bar. And I'm like, yes, it's gonna be great. Cause I, who doesn't love cake, right? So then I look at the ingredients, I'm like, uh, isolated way, okay. Um, such and such, such and such, okay, okay. Oh, there's aspartame in it. Oh, there's dairy in it. Oh, there's, and then there's all these other things. And I'm like, well, forget that, you know? Next. So, and and sometimes three or 400 calories. Oh, uh, yeah, more. because it's like a meal replacement. Yeah. yeah. Right. And some of them, it'll, the other thing I noticed with some of the protein bars was it was per serving, but the actual bar in some cases was more than one serving. So you were actually exactly. getting more than what you thought you were getting because that bar was maybe two servings. That's a good point. People don't always look at the serving size. They just assume the mm -hmm. whole thing is one serving. And yeah. it's not. Um, I, I have been able to find two, two, I'll call them, I'll call them bars, but um, one of them, I don't really know what to call it, but one brand is, uh, if I can name brands, is um, Papa Steve's. Uh, they have like a peanut butter banana or chocolate banana and a peanut butter chocolate one that every ingredient in it is good. It's a whole food bar. So Does it have chunks of things in there or is it no, it just has with texture issues. <laughs> it's actually crunchy. Like, like it has rice krispies in it, but it's quinoa. Oh, I don't mind crispy, but I mind lumps and things. No lumps, no raisins. <laughs> <laughs> Rosie doesn't like raisins. <laughs> oh no. Mm -mm. I know. God forbid. No, no. Um, and there's another one called rewind, which, um, is, is actually pretty good too. It's all like whole foods in it. Like when you read the ingredients, it's not, there's like five ingredients or four. Is that possible? Yeah, <laughs> you know, but you gotta put them in the refrigerator and they're not gonna last that long. Or, you know, uh, the Papa Steve's bar is actually sealed really well in like a it's, a, it's an interesting kind of packaging. Like it's really, it's not, it's not like a typical foil wrap bar or something, but that's pretty good. Um, but good point about the serving size. The other thing I want to say is that I think people focus too much on the workout. If you work out one hour, three times a week. Okay, so that's three hours a week times 52 weeks. Um, I was told there wasn't going to be any math, but I think that's 156 hours. Right, Bill? Yes, it is. Well, I do know Wait, this. Why write Bill? I can't do math. <laughs> no, we don't know. We don't do math. <laughs> hey, I was getting you off the hook. <laughs> Take it. <laughs> um, so in a year, <laughs> in a year, there's 8,760 hours, right? Just take my word for it. It's true. I, I, I did it work. Okay. So 100, and we know that 156 hours a year, you're working out. Out of 8,700, <laughs> what are you doing the rest of the time? Okay, it's not about what you're doing for those three hours a week. It's about what you're doing for the other 8,000 hours or 8,400 other hours 
or whatever the number was. That's what we're worried about. That's what you should be worried about. Having a sedentary lifestyle is the worst. So think about that because, and, and some people aren't even working out three hours a week. They might be working out twice a week and then they're sitting at a desk. Okay. So I like to look at it like the gym is there to kind of get you strong and your lifestyle is what keeps you, your body fat down. It's what keeps you in shape. Okay. And I think I might've brought this up last time. I, I'm, I don't recall, but we talked about the healthiest countries in the world and we were talking about blue zones and how people live to be a hundred and something. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, one thing that was in, I've been to Japan, I've been to all these different countries. What I've noticed is that they average, and this is, this is based on actual data. They average over 11,000 steps a day, just with their lifestyle. Do you know what Americans average a day in steps? 12. <laughs> 4,000. <laughs> and you can get 4,000 steps just walking around your house mm -hmm. in the day. Okay. So we have a big problem there. So my, my whole point of this is your goal should be what you're doing those other 8,700 hours. And, and then when you're in the gym, just do some sort of resistance training for those three hours a week that you're doing a full body resistance training workout with either weights, bands, whatever toys you have at home, a medicine ball, a kettlebell, anything like that. But your focus should be on those other hours and what your lifestyle is like. And if you do that, I promise you, you'll be healthy. You'll be in good shape. Great tip. You know, I, I have to admit in all the years I've worked out, I never looked at it that way. That just puts things in a whole different perspective, that 156 hours versus eight plus thousand hours. So thanks for sharing that. And I, I'm hoping you might be able to help with a question that I have, and I know a lot of people have it. And you were just talking about the strength training or resistance training. And one of the things that, that I've had to do personally, and I know a lot of other people that have had to do is kind of um, tone down the amount of weight being lifted and increase the reps. Mm -hmm. And what I'm wondering is, is it possible with a high weight, I'm sorry, high rep, low weight type routine to add mass or gain mass, or is it just you're only going to quote unquote stay toned at that point? No, in fact, um, most bodybuilding workouts are high volume because we know that high volume e equals hypertrophy. Hypertrophy is the building of muscle. Okay. Atrophy is the degradation of muscle or the shrinking of muscle. So no, you can, you can put on mass with um, high reps, high volume, high sets but you also want to be strong. So um, now if someone has an injury and you can't do heavy weights, like you can't do three to five reps, which would be a strength training routine, mm -hmm. um, then by all means, just do volume and don't worry about it. And you, you're not going to, you know, being toned, I don't even think that's like an actual term, but people use it all yeah. the time. Um, you want your muscle to be solid, hard. You want it to feel like you want to see the shape of it. You want to be lean on top of it so you can see it. But you can also take a really, really skinny person who's, you know, 98 pounds and you can see all their muscles and people will go, well, wow, that looks good. They, I can see their muscles. Well, that's because they're so lean that you can see their muscles. That doesn't mean they're strong. 
Okay. You know, they might look toned, but that doesn't mean they're strong. So they're I would say stringy. as soon as you can. What? <laughs> they're stringy. 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 Wiry. <laughs> um, and, you know, some people have a hard time gaining weight. So I feel sorry. I feel bad for them, too, because that, that's a task as well. But, no, doing, doing uh, lots of reps and sets, that volume will stimulate mass. All right. There's hope. Thanks, Coach. Gina, <laughs> this has been just so informative and such good practical advice. I have a question for you. And Bill, you have to weigh in on this. What okay. would you think about coming back like every week and, and for like a segment, like a quick one minute tip or one to two minute tip every week? I, that's awesome. I would be honored to do that. And, and maybe you could take questions from, from viewers or maybe us and give us some answers? Yeah, because there's still a lot of questions that you got yeah. that we have not answered yet. So that's what we'll do. We'll, we'll, you've heard it, folks. We're launching this in our show next week. And we're going to have, what do you think, G? Six seconds with Coach Lombardi? That's, I would love it. That's a big yes. I would love to do that. In fact, I have a whole stack of questions sitting here that I got from the last time we did, we did an interview. And a lot of them had like many of them were like your questions where they were about food they were about you know diet about what exercise is the best exercise to do what if i don't have any equipment you know all those questions is walking good should i run these are all questions that people have i would love to answer them perfect that is fantastic well i'll tell you what then we will have our people contact your people and then your people can get back to our people and we'll do it in time for next week so we can launch 60 Seconds with Coach Lombardi in our next episode. Sound good? Sounds great. Thank you, Thanks, I look forward to it. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, we are so glad, Coach, that you came back for this episode and even happier that you're going to be coming back each and every week. So folks, just as Coach Lombardi has done for so many people for so long, make a difference for someone every day. And make every day a great day. We'll see you next week.